God. Glory to God. What? Last time we're writing 2018. Next, next year, just a few days, you'll be writing 2017. Oh. So God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy, your faithfulness to us. And Lord, we pray that you open up our understanding. Just share with us what's on your heart this morning, Lord. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Just have a little history lesson. This shouldn't, this shouldn't really be too tricky, I don't think. But um, well, while I'm thinking about it, Mike, the, the resolution, I think, is a little goofed up here. Not that it's, I mean, it's just a little bit fuzzy around the edges. We've, I, I, I don't know if it's something that we can fix or not, but it, can't do it. Well, it's maybe I just... Need new glasses. Anyhow, these big... That's right. Um, here we go. Now, surely somebody already knows what this is a picture of, so just just tell me. Right. Is that what you were going to say, Nate? British. It was British. This is... This is a picture of a spontaneous ceasefire that broke out in World War I um, as British and German troops were facing each other across a line of trenches in Europe. And as the story goes, and there's several variations on it, but the, the, the Americans could hear... On Christmas Eve, the Americans could hear the Germans singing Silent Night, because it was Christmas Eve, on their side and singing it in German. And so, and so, the, so the British started singing Silent Night in English. And people just gradually started getting up out of their trenches and meeting each other in the middle of the battlefield and shaking hands. And the next day, their commanding officers just agreed on a truce. Or not really a truce, but a, but a ceasefire. And they had a whole day of fun and games. Uh, these, you know, playing soccer. Uh, there are people you can see even in the trenches. Uh, they're sort of pretending to be at war, but not really. Most of the rifles have been abandoned, and they're down there uh, sharing their care packages from home, and trading cigars, and playing cards, and and, and news of this. I mean, started spread and and to other units until finally it spread farther up, up the chain of command that uh, um, senior officers heard about it and they I said, oh, so there's a ceasefire. Wait, what? And they made them stop and get back in their trenches. And the next day, here we are. <clears throat> so I was thinking about this today, or actually a few days ago, um, we hear these wonderful stories about, you know, like the magic of Christmas, 
the miracle of Christmas when anything is possible and it's like your whole life is a Hallmark Christmas movie and there's a little bit of struggle and then something wonderful happens and, and through some miracle of whatever, everything all works out great. And even in the middle of World War I, people stop shooting at each other and they behave like humans. But how long did it last? And one day, then they went back to killing each other and poison gassing each other and blowing each other up with artillery shells and stabbing each other with bayonets. Uh, and I just, I guess the, I wanted to make this observation, but that the, the, that's not very magical. For, for People can get a warm, fuzzy feeling for just a few days out of the year, and then they go back to life as normal, uh, including stabbing each other with bayonets and blowing each other up. That's not really a miracle. Can we all agree on that? And, you know, even, even this, uh, this arguably uh, the most, these say the most famous, most beloved Christmas-themed movie of all time. Um, now, of course, you all have your favorites, and some of you might like uh, the Christmas story uh, with the fishnet table leg better than It's a Wonderful Life. I, I don't know. It's up to you. But there's still this wonderful, warm, fuzzy. It's, Christmas makes us into warm, fuzzy, happy people, and it's a miracle. Let me t- tell you something about the That's a Wonderful Life. Um, when, when the script was first written for It's a Wonderful Life, the guy who, who wrote the first treatment uh, shopped it around for, to several studios uh, and nobody wanted it. Uh, finally, I'm shortening the story, but finally one studio picked it up and they couldn't find a director who would make it until Frank Capra came along, who was famous uh, at that point for making lots of sweet, sort of syrupy, upbeat, cheerful movies, except he had spent uh, most of World War II making training films for the Army. And he was, by the time the war was over, he was, he was a changed person. He was, he was the, the, the impact of the war had really sort of hardened him and, and frustrated him. And uh, he was drawn to the script for It's a Wonderful Life, not because it had a sweet, syrupy, happy ending, but because, anybody want to take a guess? Because aside from the happy ending, which is what we all hold on for, It's a Wonderful Life is really a pretty dark movie. Matter of fact, when it first came out, it it sort of flopped uh, um, because it wasn't cheerful and happy enough. And it starts out with a little kid getting slapped in the head by a drunk pharmacist and losing his hearing, and the story goes downhill from there. <clears throat> All of his dreams are shattered, uh, and um, he, he goes, <clears throat> trying, he's trying to do the right thing over and over again, and he suffers loss at every turn. Every time he tries to do the right thing, he ends up, his life gets worse. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, 
Frank Capra chose Jimmy Stewart to play the lead when the studio really wanted Cary Grant to play the lead. But Frank Capra had worked with Jimmy Stewart in, anybody? Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? And seeing that final filib- you know, that major filibuster scene in Mr. Squ- Mr. Smith Goes to Washington led uh, Frank Capra to believe that Jimmy Stewart was capable of playing a truly psychotic person who was on the, on the edge of having just a complete, totally lose it, go berserk breakdown. Uh, it turns out he was right. But that's what he was attracted to, and that was his vision for this movie because it's just a, it's a series of dark, sad, dark, sad, dark, sad things uh, 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 summarized uh, to a culmination finally of uh, this magical last two minutes where everything is suddenly okay again. Um, because otherwise, most of the time the world is a big heaping helping of dark, sad, dark, sad, dark, sad, dark, sad, and you hope for a happy ending. Your brain hopes desperately for a happy ending. Your, you know what your brain does full-time? Your, brain, your brain's full-time job is to analyze all the data that, that flows through it, all the experiences, all the, the things that your brain learns. Your brain is sorting it out, trying to figure out, how can I turn all of this mishmash of stuff into some sort of a happy ending? Because I, I want to get to a place where there's no stress and there's no fear, and I want to use... I want to use the minimum amount of energy trying to fix problems in my life. Your brain is actually programmed to spend... Um, your, your brain kills brain cells the more stress you're under trying to find solutions. Um, if you're, some of you have a job where you don't, you don't... Or you've had jobs where you don't uh, dig ditches all day long or push boulders up hills. Maybe you just sit in front of a uh, computer screen all day and just type stuff, or you're going to class all day and you're just studying stuff, and even though you're not uh, flipping over tractor tires, you're still completely exhausted at the end of the day. You know why that is? Because even though you have a physically not challenging job, your brain is killing billions of brain cells trying to figure out, as you're making decisions and analyzing data, to try to make uh, whatever situation you're dealing with come out... with a happy ending, because your, your brain's job is to make yourself figure out ways for you to be as safe and secure and peaceful and happy as p- possible. And that turns out that that's exhausting. I was just exhausting when I was just describing it just now. Uh, and so there's this sort of meta-narrative that goes on in our, in our social, cultural structure, goes on all the time, but it kind of pops up to the top during Christmas. Where are we going to get our happy ending? How are we going to find our happy ending? Oh, look, there was a happy ending during World War I when they stopped shooting at each other for a day. That was not a happy ending. That was a terrible, bad joke. Uh, and just about the time we figure we found our happy ending where we can just sit and rest and be peaceful and never have any problems anymore, something weird happens. 
because we live in a world of weird. We live in a world that's uh, broken. We live in a world where, where people are constantly crying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Because the, world, the world's default setting is chaos and fear and strife and stress and competition. And every year at Christmas time, we go through this exercise of trying to pretend that that's not the way the world is. All right, so we, we acknowledge that that's the way the world is, but at least at Christmas time, we're going to try for a little while to not be that way. Um, and everybody gets inspired about doing nice things for children and doing nice things for people who are struggling. And that lasts for maybe three weeks. And then the rest of the time, the world goes back to being broken. And you forget about the children and you forget about the people who are struggling. And you just spend every ounce of most of your brain cells energy trying to find a happy ending for yourself. I love this movie, by the way. Do you know why it's so popular today or why it's it's famous today? Because um, it was just dumped. Uh, um, It was just parked in some archive somewhere and the studio was paying so little attention to it that by... Uh, the late 1960s, the the copyright on it had expired, and um, several, uh, and I think NBC or somebody, a network, found that that it, they didn't have to pay a contract license fee to play it anymore, and they sent it out to some of their stations, and it, and for several years it played over and over and over again, multiple times on multiple stations all uh, around the country. And somehow the studio got the copyright back. Uh, and now it, it only plays twice. Once after Thanksgiving and once on Christmas Eve. And, and NBC c- controls all the rights. But during that interim time when it just flooded, everybody, it became everybody's tradition. Uh, and I love this movie. Uh, how do I, <clears throat> Hooray, Bert! Hi, my mouth's bleeding! Hey, Bert, my mouth's feeling Zuzu's pedals. I mean, how could you not just be all jazzed about that? Uh, your heart is tricked into thinking that maybe there is a happy ending. But eventually you have to go back to work. Eventually you have to go back to the real world. Eventually your brain has to go back to trying to figure out the shortest distance to safety and peace and hope, um, as it turns out, as it turns out, there's only one source. This is where we started. Remember Isaiah chapter 9? For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. And when that happens, at that point in history, and not until then, the government will rest on his shoulders. All rule and authority will be his. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, El Gabor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And when that happens, and not until then, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. 
I love this word in the middle. We skip over it. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Not just there will be no end to his reign and it'll be peaceful, but it keeps, once he steps in to his destiny, it gets better and better and better and it doesn't stop getting better. It just grows and grows and becomes more amazing and more mind-blowing and it doesn't stop. It never ends. And on the throne of his David, of his, uh, on the throne of David, and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it. Here's justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of Hosts will accomplish this. Frank Capra doesn't accomplish this. Jimmy Stewart doesn't accomplish this. The Joint Chiefs don't accomplish this. The President doesn't accomplish this. Uh, Captains of industry don't accomplish this. Uh, Institutions of higher learning don't accomplish this. You know what? Uh, uh, At the dawn of the 20th century, a few decades rolling up back to that, there was the rise of a philosophical position called modernism. And modernism said, you know, we finally figured out there's really no... No real need for God. You can believe in God if you want to, but we, have, we are smarter now than we were at the turn of the 19th century. We are smarter than they were at the turn of the 17th century. We are smarter now. We, and we now have the tools to make our whole society uh, into an enlightened, safe, fully functional, civil society. Mostly through education. We have... The, uh, we, we have public education. We have more access to higher education. We can, just, we can just give people enough books and enough teaching, enough training, enough learning, enough insight, and they will become, we will teach them to become better people, and the world will be a better place. And that, as the 20th century dawned, that was the theme uh, in a lot of churches and in a lot of universities, economists, all of the thinking, the intelligentsia at the turn of the 20th century was, we have finally figured this out. We have cracked the code. We know how to make people better people. Of course, there's a little sidebar over here called eugenics, which was, we'll just eliminate all the people that are defective. Um, uh, People that we think are just hopelessly irredeemable, we will put them in prisons or we will um, sterilize them um, uh, or abort them. Uh, so that they don't mess up our plan. But we've got this plan to make the whole world into uh, a fully functional, safe, rational, reasonable place. You know how long that perspective lasted? Till 1916, when the war to end all wars occurred. Uh, at the very epicenter of where this new modern movement started, because it was all it was rooted in Germany, was the German philosophers who really pushed this theory at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, And those people in that country, uh, in that part of Europe, where the smartest people lived and the most respected thinkers lived, turned out to to throw a whole world into chaos. And so that theory just went out the window. And people have been making excuses ever since. But it proves a theory that that people can't, make people better. 
People can't fix broken people because broken people break people. Hurting people hurt people. And broken societies and broken cultures end up breaking socially, culturally. So in this promise from Isaiah is that it's, it's broken now and it's going to stay broken until Jesus comes back. We have one hope between now and the time that Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back, he is, he is going to restore and heal everything and bring in that, that state of harmony between mankind and God that uh, from, from God's creation and God that, that Isaiah is looking forward to here. But in the meantime, the only source of hope that we have is that we, Jesus can still sit on the throne of our hearts. Matter of fact, if Jesus isn't sitting on the throne of our hearts, when Jesus comes back, it's going to be too late for anybody who has not surrendered to the rule of Jesus in their hearts anyhow. But between now and while we're waiting for the restoration of all things, we can surrender to Jesus and he can, he can be the government in our own heart. He can bring justice and harmony and healing to our own lives. And we can have a little oasis of peace and safety and hope in our relationship with him. And so we've, this is where we finished up. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Day after day after day, no matter whether there's a ceasefire or not, no matter whether the stock market is up or down, no matter whether uh, the, whoever's president is making you happy or not, no matter, no matter what the external circumstances are out there that throw the world into chaos, or maybe today's a good day, most of your days are hard days, but no matter what day it is, no matter who's president, we have been invited to kneel before the king who makes decisions and takes actions that change history. Something I've never experienced like that before in my whole life that's humbled me and placed me totally in awe because he is a king who will always behave heroically and selflessly and use his power to deliver me, never to oppress me or intimidate me, who will never give up on me and will always love me and nurture me and be there for me. And I am in his hands. And I know everything is going to be okay. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. And of his kingdom and his government in our lives and the increase of that in our lives right now, there will be no end. So I hope you had a great Christmas. If you're disappointed, that's okay. The point of Christmas is not to make you feel better for a little while anyhow because you have to go back to living in the real world. Uh, The point of Christmas is to remind us that there's only one name the name of Jesus that brings us any hope or any peace 
at all, ever. He is our source. He is our King of Kings. And all Jesus wants to do at Christmas is remind us that we kneel before him, we trust him, we surrender to his love, we accept his promises, we, we trust his word, we invite him into our lives, we invite him into the midst of our chaos, we surrender to him as our Lord and Savior, we have this kind of relationship with him, and one day, I love this promise, it's not really a Christmas promise, but First uh, John chapter 3 where it says uh, uh, one of these days so John starts out beloved uh, we are we are children of God but we don't know yet what we shall be we just know that when we see him we will be like him because we will see him for who he really is uh, now we are children of God but it gets better we have something to look forward to he's holding our hand now he is Emmanuel God with us now but it's going to increase it's going to increase it's, as we grow in him and he continues to increase in us. Every day is sort of like Christmas in that every day we get to say, hey, unto you a child is born, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Let's pray. Lord, we feel always a kind of a sense of loss or a sense of exhaustion when we get to this time in the holiday cycle. We're glad about the things that went well. We're just so tired, and now we're looking at all the stuff that has to be put back in boxes and stuck up in the attic and houses that need to be cleaned up and trying to transition our brain. Our brain was tricked by Christmas into thinking that, oh, it's all peaceful. It's not. Now we have to go back to searching for the happy ending again. Lord, please remind us that Jesus is our happy ending. We don't have to have all the answers. We just have to know that he has. He has me. He has us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful to us. In Jesus' name, amen.